Good evening. We're glad you all could come. Before we start, all glory to God. Really, I'm not just saying that for word service. I mean it. Our lives, that's, that's all we can really say. Um, based on everything we've lived through, we, our lives are his. And, you know, everything we say tonight is just a reflection of how good he is. And how evil the world can be, but how good he is, no matter what, and in every situation. So, This is titled tonight, Unexpected Roads, The Journey to Higher Callings. Um, as a child, family, church, culture, circumstances, and inborn desires shape our dreams, our ideas about what our life should be like. They shape our idea of who God is, his purpose for us, and how we go about searching for and fulfilling what we think is his plan. Now, what if I said that God's ways are not quite what you think? What if I said that oftentimes he surprises us, takes us down what we think is a detour, a road less traveled, an unexpected road? This is the story of our unexpected roads, our story of the unforeseen journey, the path that led us to this moment. Our eyes are fixed on the high callings of God, the walk of faith, the humble motives behind closed doors and in the secret place. This is the story of becoming and realizing we are his children. All right. So I, last minute, read a quote by Corey Ten Boom that I just wanted to read before I read my stuff. It says, every experience God gives us, every person he puts in our lives, is the perfect preparation for the future that only he can see. And I just felt like that was like the perfect quote to sum up the story that I'm about to share because that's basically what this goes through. So, I'm a little nervous. So, <sighs> buckle up, guys, because <laughs> this is quite the journey. <laughs> um, so, to start off, my childhood consisted of constant abuse and neglect. I always had food and material things provided for me, but I lacked a loving and nurturing environment that is needed for a child to thrive in. My dad was an alcoholic who worked 12-hour shifts at GM, but went home, was always drunk picking fights with my mom. They would escalate into these very scary fights that would consist of hitting, shoving, and constant threats of divorce. He wasn't someone who I could run to for comfort, feel safe with, or loved by. My mother, as much as she always tried to love us, and she did. I don't want to speak illy of my mother. She, she did love us. But she struggled because she didn't have a loving husband. And so a lot of the time she was focused on the way he made her feel and focused on inward things and was completely unaware of things going on otherwise. And while all that was happening, my brother had been, um, he had been molesting me. And this happened probably, I mean, my earliest memory, I was still in diapers until the age of 11. And even as a child, I remember just feeling like I, I, I couldn't tell them what was going on. Like It's amazing how even the enemy comes in and just convinces you that, no, this is bad. You can't tell your parents. And so I didn't. I didn't tell my mom until I was 
in my 20s. And I lived my whole life in constant fear, never feeling safe in my own home. And if all that wasn't bad enough, I was the one my dad would choose to pick on and call names. And that led me to believe that I was truly unlovable. And that's when insecurity was birthed in me and would continue to become deeply rooted in my heart for many years to come. Fortunately, as a child, my grandmother taught me to pray to God. He turned out to be the only one I could turn to when I became scared and couldn't talk to anyone else about what was happening. My view of him from what I learned from my grandparents was that he was always there, he didn't use his name in vain, and you could pray to him about anything that you wanted. I basically formed a belief that if I prayed it, then God would have to answer it. However, I also wasn't aware that he was a personal God and truly cared about each and every one of us and our needs. So I'd often start prayers like, God, I know that there are probably more more important people out there and things you need to take care of, but if you find the time, could you fill in the blank? Unfortunately, though, due to the lack of love for my father and the abusive and toxic, toxic environment I was raised in, I ended up developing a new view of God over time. He suddenly became someone to me that didn't really care about me or love me and rarely ever wanted to listen to me. He would get upset when I didn't do something right and then would make me suffer a consequence for it. At least that's how I started thinking about him. Around the age of 11, my grandfather had passed away from mesothelioma. And when he got sick, I remember my dad kneeling down beside me, asking me to pray for him. And my father had no idea I even prayed at all, so that was surprising, but I did. I prayed that my grandpa would be healed, but instead I watched, I watched him get worse over a six-month period, and then he passed. This causes a shift in my beliefs before, because before that, I believed God could heal, and then when he didn't, I was left very confused, and a seed of doubt got planted. As I became a teenager, I found myself trying to find my identity in guys. I looked to them to tell me my worth and value. So when they would treat me terribly, I would sum that up to me, mean that I was someone who couldn't be loved. I was the problem. When it came to friends, I didn't have any. I would try everything to quote-unquote fit in, try to dress like everyone else did, do my hair similarly, sort of act the way they do. But nothing ever worked. People just didn't seem to want to be my friend. Rather, they would choose me to pick on. So what this began to speak to me was that no one loves me. I must be weird and have issues. And I would begin questioning what was wrong with me quite often. This constantly caused me to isolate myself. And during this time, I would rarely pray to God unless I was in desperate need of something or was tired of feeling alone. Otherwise, I left him out. It wasn't until I got into a verbally abusive relationship at the age of 19 that God started to pop back up. My roommate at the time started mentioning how she felt she needed to find a church. And I had never realized she believed in God, so that was something that really caught my attention. About seven months into that relationship, she became very concerned that the guy I was with was manipulating and using me. And as much as I knew it, I tried my best to ignore her and just keep putting up with what I was because I so desperately longed to be loved. It got so bad that I had trouble concentrating on school, would find myself crying all the time, and had stopped eating because of all the anxiety I was carrying. My roommate eventually asked me if I would go to church with her. After declining her invitation a couple times, I finally asked if I could. I never expected the encounter I received when I got there. Instantly, I felt him when I walked through the doors, and within the first line of the first song we sang, I broke down. I stood there, unable to hold back the tears that flooded my eyes. 
My heart finally experienced a feeling of love I had not known before. This God I had been praying to my whole life was holding me in that moment, telling me how much he loved me. As excited as I was that day, I believe him to have been more excited. The picture I've always had in my mind was of him standing there at the end of a long, long road with arms stretched open as far as they could go, a big smile on his face, tears running down his cheeks, ready to embrace his little girl. You're safe now. Daddy's got you. He says, I've been waiting for this moment your whole life. I always knew you would come home. You see, my whole life, what I never realized was that what my heart was really longing for was a father's love. It wasn't about the abusive relationship I would, I had been in or in the way I'd been treated by other guys and friends in the past. God knew my heart needed to know his love for me. All my, lo- all my life, I lacked the true love of a father. Though I had prayed to and talked to him throughout my childhood and teen years, I hadn't officially encountered his presence until that day. His love was so captivating that I continued to go back because I longed to be in that atmosphere more. And then the following year, I gave my heart to Jesus at the age of 20. During my senior year of college, I was interning at an audit firm, and I had become friends with this guy who worked there. I would frequently hear him talking about the talking to the lady at the front desk about God in church, and something about that made me feel like I needed to know him. It's funny how God puts people in your life. Shortly after graduating college, I went to work for that firm full-time and was really given the chance to get to know him more. He was the first person I had ever met who mentioned anything about the Holy Spirit, even after I had already been in church for three years. When he would talk about spiritual stuff, I remember thinking, this guy is so wrong. Uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, because the stuff freaks me out. But there would be so many times he would just know things. Like, I never told him all this all this stuff about me. And I would ask God, why are you telling him all this stuff? And so it would make me mad. And I thought that this was a guy that clearly didn't need to be in my life. And so I would do, you know, all this stuff to try to push him away. But God wants him there. He's going to be there. And I now see he was strategically placed in my life by God because he was trying to open my eyes to a part of him that I was not going to learn the church I was currently at. He knew the church I attended, didn't allow the spirit to move, so he found a way to bring my attention to the spirit. It was only the beginning of him showing me how he had bigger plans in store for me. I have found during times when I am trying extra hard to try to force something away for not to happen, that is when God is attempting to do something big in me for my life, and I'm just not willing to accept it. I've learned it's better to just do what he is asking you to do than to try to forge your own path, because it results in me having to possibly take a huge detour to to get back on the right one. I ended up moving to Colorado in the summer of 2015 as a member of a church plant mission. And prior to this, I didn't mention I was living in Texas. My family moved us there when I was 14 um, until the age of 24. I ended up being the first one in Colorado out of the church um, mission team, and I find my, I found myself having a lot of alone time. And this is the place where I learned just how close and intimate our God wants to be with us. The alone time I spent with him there was something I will always treasure and was so special, and I don't believe I ex- have experienced anything like it ever since. He used, to, he used this time to start unveiling to me more of who he was. And when I say, like, close, like, I would go up to the mountains and, you know, just down by a creek, and it was like he was there with me, you know, and, like, I would go on walks, and 
and like the sky would be completely clouded and I would say God can I just see the moon and the clouds would split like he just was so close in that time and I've always longed to have that again it just seems like I don't know sometimes he just has special moments I started to experience more spiritually while I was living there and I came to realize that he was trying to communicate things to me through very vivid dreams all of which I still remember these would be things going on within me that I didn't notice at the time and in victories yet to come. When this started happening, it dawned on me that he had been showing me these things in dreams since I was a little girl. I still remember vivid dreams I had back when I was around the age of five. I now see these were spiritual dreams, but at the time, they frightened me. My parents would write them off as being just nightmares. Sometimes I would even have the same one several times. It blows me away that God was already after me before I knew anything about him. Then the friend that I had worked with started having visions about me, one I remember very well. He said that he saw me off in the corner, dancing by myself away from everyone else. He said it, he believed it to mean that I was set apart. And I thought, wow, that's, that's awesome, but what does that mean? He said he wasn't sure if it meant apart from my family or something else. And then just this year, I had a similar dream. I was I was walking up a mountain, and um, off to the one side, I remember seeing like a woman and her child um, start taking off their shoes and their coats and start dancing around. And the weird thing was, it was snowing, and it was, I'm like, that they're weird. Like, what are they doing? It's cold. But I continued up the mountain, and then when I got to the mountain side, there was like this large crowd of people off to the one side just gathered in worship. And I remember it sounding so loud, but so beautiful. And I decided, I'm going to stand over here. And I just started dancing and singing by myself, set apart. And so it was like me getting to see that vision myself. I can now say, after everything I've been through, but I believe it to mean that God set me apart from everyone else, meaning those I had been doing church with for so many years that were doing the traditional way of church, the modern way of church, so that I could be someone who was going to live a spirit-filled life, fully operating in the power and authority that has been given to me through Jesus. The church I had been going to while in college was a college ministry filled with kids who would show up on Sundays hungover from the night before, click up with their fraternity and sorority friends, and then continue living worldly lives once Monday rolled around. I was shocked to learn that so many of the people I thought were dedicated followers were actually not truly interested in Jesus at all. I'll never forget when my pastor came up to me and a couple other people, and he started making fun of this girl who used to go there that would dance off to the side all by herself while worshiping. He proceeded to laugh and said how weird she was. And I remember thinking, you're the pastor. I can't believe you're making fun of this girl. I mean, you know, there's times when I really want to lift my arms and worship and move around, but, you know, I was never brave enough. And it became apparent that God didn't want me to be a part of that way of doing church. Even the churches I tried out while in Colorado were the same way, very modern and full of people who were just looking to feel good about themselves. Something always felt off and not right. I believe it was Holy Spirit guiding me through discernment to where I needed to be. While trying out churches, I had stumbled into this one that was very small. I remember walking in, worship starting, and suddenly people around me were speaking in tongues. I stood there. This is no joke. 
I stood there, my heart started racing, and I, I was like, oh my God, I need to get out of here. So I literally raced out of service into my car, and I sat there crying. I was just like, God, why would you let that happen? <laughs> it scared me so much. It really did. Because I was taught these things were bad and not of God. They were the things that you read in the Bible but don't actually happen anymore. However, God desperately wanted to bring us the fullness of who he was, but that frightened me. I later learned God doesn't bring us into situations unless he knows we're ready to face them, and he always promises to be with us. I was so deceived at the time. I was being led to believe that these things were not of God and I needed to run from them. It was later unveiled to me that the devil was just terrified of me, of, find, of me finding out who I really was in Jesus. I ended up falling victim to an eating disorder while in Colorado. I was completely blindsided by it and didn't even realize that's what was going on until months later. The eating disorder and going broke were the things that eventually led me to have to move back home with my parents. Something I dreaded. I had already been living on my own for like, Wow. Five years? Six years? Once back, God told me I needed to get help because I was sick. I decided to be obedient because I was more scared to die than anything. The doctor told me I was lucky I came back when I did because my resting heart rate was so low, and if I had kept going at the rate I was going, I might not have made it. That was eye-opening to me that God rescued me for myself. This was probably one of the darkest moments of my life. While at home, I contemplated suicide a couple times. I even wrote a suicide note, which Ricky and I burned a couple years ago when we found it. I had such self-hatred, and it was the self-hatred that led me into an eating disorder. It wasn't because I wanted to try to look good. It was because I hated myself so much. I blamed myself for everything that happened in my life. The reason people didn't love me, like all of it. And, and it just started overcoming me when I was at home and I was back in that environment. And I just felt so depressed and hopeless that I believed that I was better off dead than alive. Through my eyes, I was a loser and had no purpose in life. But God had different plans, though. Within six months, he told me to pack up my things and move back here to Ohio, so I did. I ended up living in my friend's basement for another six months. And most of the time I lived there, I'd been going to Old North because that's where all of them went. But one Sunday, I heard God so clearly ask me to leave there. He has something else in store. I, I was nervous because I didn't want to walk out of the comfortability I knew. I just wanted to go to church, to live life like my friends did, and that was it. Funny thing about God is sometimes he just doesn't want you to just do what everybody else does. <laughs> it's like, why God? Okay. So I'm also one that doesn't like doing things by myself. Yeah. So it made me nervous going into new places. And then the Sunday before Christmas in 2016, I decided to try out new life. I arrived at New Life, and within 10 minutes, someone was speaking in tongues. And I was like, oh, come on. Here we go again. But this time I didn't leave. I stuck it out, but I had already determined in my mind I was not going back. And on my way home, I passed Victory Church of Bourbon and heard God tell me to go there. The Sunday after Christmas, I went. 
Wouldn't you know that not that long into the service, there was mention of tongues and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but in that moment, I realized maybe God is trying to tell me something. Maybe, just maybe, he wants me to be a part of something apart from everyone else. So I kept going back. About six months later, I met Ricky and found out he also went there on occasion with Teen Challenge. I was instantly infatuated with him and convinced he was the one I was going to marry. We wasted no time hopping into a relationship with each other. Our relationship, however, marked the beginning of a very long self-discovery journey for me. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It's so true that we can be so blinded by love or what we think love is. You see, the both of us not only disobeyed God and him telling us we needed to wait, but we were completely unaware of the junk we were still carrying from our past that was about to wreak havoc on our relationship. The first couple years of our marriage, there had been a lot of things going on behind the scenes that I was completely unaware of. To an extent, I always sensed there was something going on with Ricky, but he was in no place to tell the truth, and that really messed with my head. I would spend nights crying out to God because I knew Ricky was up to something, and I needed God to tell me what was going on. He never did. God never stopped anything from happening, though, but he did eventually bring Ricky to tell the truth, but it took until early 2020 for that to happen. It was the year our marriage was about to be put through the fire. The truth that Ricky unveiled really wrecked me. This not only left me feeling completely betrayed by my husband, but I also felt betrayed by God. I couldn't understand why he would allow Ricky to get away with all these things and then not tell me about them. So there I was. I couldn't trust Ricky. I couldn't trust God, which meant I couldn't trust anyone else either. He soon brought to my attention that he wanted me to stop looking at people to complete me and tell me who I was. He wanted me to discover the truth that he is the only one that would ever be able to make me feel whole and loved the way I needed to be loved. My husband was never going to live up to my expectations of him. I had a very skewed view of who God was, and it became very obvious at this point in time. We started going to Abundant Life in January 2020, right before COVID. Within two months, we were shut down, and once we were able to start going back and seeing people again, I wanted absolutely nothing to do with church or people. I would show up to events and get together putting on a fake smile, not wanting to be there, and really not wanting anything to do with church at all. I knew people could probably tell, but I didn't care. I remember one Sunday, Shane's mom telling me, that there were things that God was asking me to forgive Ricky for, and thinking to myself, I am not forgiving this man. I was so mad and full of resentment towards him at this time. So I think it was only, what, like a month or two after you said everything? <laughs> However, I ended up telling him I forgive him that day because I feel like she made me. So. <laughs> and <laughs> at the time, <laughs> well, uh, in my heart, I really didn't. I, don't, I didn't even really forgive you truly until this year. I really know how to hold on to things. At the time, God was really wanting to reach that heart of mine. But my God, I am stubborn. I was not willing to open myself back up to that hurt. Or to get hurt like that again. I wanted to just remain stubborn, unforgiving, bitter, and unhappy. The lie was it was better that way than to make myself vulnerable again. Somehow I decided in my heart that by remaining this way, I would somehow be punishing Ricky for what he did to me. Needless to say, it didn't work. 
I was only hurting myself and building up walls that further prevented God's love from being able to penetrate my heart. God then spoke to my heart one day in September 2020 when I received a word during prayer. And I had, so I had went to get prayer on my head because I thought I had a tumor growing right here. And I was freaking out. And I was like, somebody's got to lay hands on me. I just got to receive healings. I don't want to go through surgery. And so I told him to text Mark to get the ladies to pray for me. And so I thought, I'm going to get healing. And when I got there, it wasn't at all what they prayed. So um, God uses everything to, you know, things you don't even realize. But I received a word from Patty that night that um, just really spoke to me and broke me. It said, you don't need, this was God. It said, you don't need to keep walls up to keep people out. You need to let the walls fall so you can be loved. It's all about love, Nicole. I love you, but I want you to know there are others that can and will love you too. The past has scarred you, but I want to heal you, and I am healing you. You are beginning to open up, and I am so pleased. Continue to open up. Trust that I am in control. I won't let you down, and I will protect you. Home. I want you to come home. No more running away. No more looking over your shoulder. Come home and know that it is safe. You can trust again, child. And it's just like, I feel like there's sometimes, like sometimes you doubt, like if if God's even really there, you know, and like I have doubted in my life too, like God, are you even real? But like when someone you don't even know speaks something to you that is so like specific in your walk with him, it just, I mean, it's just, it becomes real. It's like, there's no possible way they could have just known this. And that word has always been something I read often because I knew God was speaking to me that day. He knew I always felt unloved and I couldn't trust anyone. I was so tired of a lifetime of people hurting me and letting me down. And I didn't want to waste my time anymore. I had been refusing to try truly let anyone in. Now, um, I'd love to say things were instantly better from that moment on, but they weren't. Did I get better? Sort of. But I was still harboring a lot of unforgiveness and resentment towards my husband, and God. And for the next year, I would go through these phases of not wanting to go to church and not wanting to be around people, so I'd make a skip out on things. It was so bad at times that I would go above and beyond to make sure we didn't do anything at all. And, and I mean that. Like, I was, like, psycho. I'm not even kidding. I was. I was, like, psycho. I, I <laughs> During these times, I would really try to withdraw from God I changed the music I listened to, how I spoke, and how I spent my time. I wanted to keep him out, but he would always make sure I knew I could never get away from him. And he really put us in a place where that was not going to happen, because these people are not going to let you run away. So, <laughs> how blessed I am that he never stopped chasing me down. And then one day, back in early February, he spoke so clearly to me, I love you. And in that moment, I finally believed it. I heard for so long, people always say, God loves you, God loves you, but I never did. I never believed it. I always viewed him like I do my earthly father, having favorites, maybe addressing my concerns whenever he had the time. Otherwise, he would just ignore me and, and make sure he sent punishment for things my way. But what I needed was a real encounter from God, and I received it in an instant. My heart was healed from the lie that God didn't love me. 
And, and it made me, like, when I wrote this, I thought of back in, I don't know, last fall, We I had asked him um, to have people pray for Cam because um, Cam has had a speech delay. But we had went, and I remember Sherry, she had told me that, I don't know if you remember, but um, she had told me, Nicole, God wants to heal you. And did you know that he could just, just with a touch, instantly just heal you? And and that's what he did. I mean, he literally, all I had to hear was just audibly, like, him say, I love you. And my heart was like, I believe it, you know? And, and it just, it changed everything for my relationship with him from that point on. And it had been a prayer of mine for a long time. I don't know how many times, like, I would sit and I would cry, God, please just show me you love me. Do you really love me? Because I just could not grasp it. No matter what I read in the Bible, no matter what I heard at church, nothing. Like, my heart needed to know from him. And, and he, he was faithful to give that to me. I believe what God had been doing for so many years was not just trying to uproot the pains and hurts of my past. But he wanted to expose the lies I was believing in my heart. All the unbelief in who he was. It's all the unbelief that had been causing me to constantly be on an uphill, downhill journey with him. My relationship with him was never going to be what it was supposed to be as long as those seeds of unbelief were there. Shortly after this, I went through a sozo session because I wanted to deal with the things that were constantly distorting my view of who God was. It was amazing. Several doors that had been opened in my life were closed and covered in the blood of Jesus while in that session. I left there feeling excited about what was next for me now that I received that healing, and I couldn't wait to see what God was going to do. But things only started getting tougher from that then on. I somehow allowed the enemy to come in and use the very things I received healing from to torment me and mess with my head. It caused such turmoil in me that I became very tense, short-tempered, and anxious. I felt this had become a battle, much too intense for me to bear alone, but it was something I felt so shamed by that I couldn't talk to anyone about it, not even Ricky. One Sunday, something came over me, and I started to lose it. I was shaking, crying, and getting upset with Ricky. He took me back to the, the nursery, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. And then it was clear to me I needed to get it out, but I didn't know how. I just I could not form the words. And then to my surprise, he asked Wes if they would come pray and go to war with me after service. It was probably one of the toughest prayer moments I've ever been through, but there was breakthrough. It eventually gave me the courage to tell Ricky everything that had been going on, and he instantly came alongside me to fight with me. It was only a couple weeks later when I had my accident and I was hit by the car. There I was, the last thing the devil thought he could use against me to destroy me, and I had just received see breakthrough for it, and he lost. I experienced victory. The final attempt to take me out was to literally try taking my very life. However, let it be known to him that God gets the final say when it comes to my life. He was there that day to make sure I was kept safe. He sent in all the resources, my guardian angel, obedient prayer warriors, and friends who would be there to take care of my kids. I left the scene of the accident with nothing more than a badly bruised leg, which was healed within a month, I'm running again. Praise God. The accident was only the start of a brand new journey for our family. About a week after the accident, both Ricky and I felt like God was telling me to quit my job. So I did in faith. Then we found out I was at total fault for the accident, which left us to cover all the medical costs. 
We were suddenly propelled into a place of absolute dependence on him to take care of us. If I'm being honest, I struggle with that concept quite a bit, and Ricky has had to reel me in. It started revealing a lot of unbelief I still had in my heart. However, even in my moments of doubt, God has remained faithful and has blessed us beyond what seemed possible. Right, after, right before my accident, I had heard God tell me, I will give you abundantly more than you could ever imagine. Then this word was confirmed during our Understanding God class when the prophetic team came in. And then, a couple days after that, we found out we were pregnant again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about that for a divine surprise? This also meant I was pregnant during the accident. Literally, like, right, it was like that week. So he not only kept me safe, but he protected my baby that only he knew about at the time. After all this happened, I was so excited and ready to enter into this new season with him. But then I found myself taking my eyes off him, and I started to sink. Within the past month, I've been struggling with extreme exhaustion and nauseousness causing me to become lazy and make excuses not to do anything. On top of that, I got sick, and then I ended up facing some strong feelings of rejection. Something old but familiar had come over me, and I started questioning relationships I have with people in the church. I found myself wondering if these people I saw often were even my real friends. I sat in church that one Sunday so upset and hurt by people that I would not stand to worship. I didn't even want to be there. I couldn't believe the hurt and rejection I was allowing these feelings to have over me. Then suddenly Chelsea and Beth came up and made me go to the front to worship. I remember telling Chelsea, you would, as she grabbed my arm to get up. My heart was so hard at that moment that I didn't want to go, and it felt like they literally had to drag me up there. They proceeded to stand there with me and pray over me when suddenly something in me broke, and I could feel God holding me. Tears began to fall when I realized he didn't want me to let the feelings of rejection and hurt from people define me, something I have done quite often. He later told me, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about you, whether they like you or not. My love for you will never fail. Your identity is in me, not in others. The following Sunday, as I stood there in worship, I heard him tell me, I need you to forgive those that have disappointed you and let you down. So I whispered, I forgive them, Lord. I forgive and I decided in my heart to move on. Where he has me now personally is truly discovering my identity in him and him alone. Ricky told me the one day that maybe what God was doing was trying to show me that he wants my identity to be solely found in him. It's not that he doesn't want me to have close friends. He just doesn't want to allow me to look to them to tell me who I am. If I'm being brutally honest, I hated the sound of that. Why? Because all I've wanted for the past 11 years of my life were of being a believer, and since I had any friends, even if it was just one, just one friend, that's all I ever asked, someone I could get coffee with or talk to about anything, then as I was writing this, I realized I already, I already have that, and with the one who holds my heart, and like, as I was writing it, just like brought revelation that my best friend's been there this whole time, just waiting for me to realize it. I had thought I needed a physical person to fulfill the longing in my heart, but what I needed was him. All my life, as I briefly mentioned, 
I will look to people to tell me who I was. And when they would let me down, reject me, or not want anything to do with me anymore, I would tell myself I wasn't worth it. No one cares about me. I am nothing. You see, when we look to people to tell us who we are, we will always feel like there's something wrong with us. Because no matter who you are or you are still imperfect and make mistakes, let people down, and can't possibly live up to everyone's expectations. God is the only one where our true identity can be found. He's the only one who will love us, even if everyone else leaves. Even if we make the biggest mistake of our lives, or even go as far as telling him we hate him. He tells us we are a child of his. We are loved, we are cherished, we are beautiful, and we are special. I spent ten, 10 years of my relationship with him believing my identity was in the past that hurt me and the trauma I suffered. And believe me, I wore it on my sleeve. And all it did was keep me from fully embracing my father's love for me. Please don't let this be you. I encourage anyone who is allowing something else to define them to step into the father's love. Open your heart to him and allow him to show you who you are to him. He's always waiting eager to unveil that to you. To end, I just want to say that I'm now in a place where I am done allowing the way others make me feel keep me from what God is asking me to do. I've done that for far too long. So whether I enter into this new season with really close friends or not, I'm going to continue pursuing the things he's placed on my heart to do. Because at the end of the day, it's all about him. I encourage each and every one of you to do the same. All of us are called to something. We have all received words from the Lord and have had things placed on our hearts to do. And I encourage you to go for it. Take a chance. Hold tight to those promises and trust him to come through for you. He will. He always does. And that's it. <laughs> I just wanted to mention too about you quitting your job that as far as like the money goes um, we've done our budget and put it on I don't know how many times we made a budget we do not have enough money to survive with just me working with the way we've lived our life for the last few years because we've both done you know made pretty similarly the same amount so we, it was a 50% cut like that so it was really a step of faith and I just wanted to say just in this last month God has gone above and beyond and little things have happened here and there that have just given us more than we thought you know we had our kids birthday June's a busy month you do a lot we thought we were going to have to pull back not do things not do this not do that but he has blessed us so much we have been able to do we haven't had to change anything which was amazing, you know. We we just didn't think that was gonna happen. So praise God for that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So what we're share like what we're sharing tonight is about how our both of our journeys led us to where we're at now and um kind of the contrast like in Nicole's situation she came from a family that wasn't in church and although her grandmother took her there she was not raised in church and now I I was raised in church and I'm going to share the story of how that shaped and molded you know my thoughts towards God and, and um, how it messed me up so mine starts out in family dysfunction my dad was a preacher. My mom was a music pastor. My, my dad was caught being gay and kicked out of the church when I was a baby, leaving my mother, grandma, and my sisters to raise me. 
I grew up Pentecostal. My first encounter with God that I can remember was when I was five years old. We were having a revival at the church. And all I can remember is after church, I was sitting in my mom's car, and I just had my hands raised. And the love of God was just on me. I don't know how else to explain it. I remember my sister was in the back seat with her friend, and my mom was like, shh, shh, don't, you know, don't interrupt, don't interrupt. And I was just this little boy just encountering God's love for the first time. Um, growing, in, growing up in that church atmosphere, I was taught all the religious laws in place to keep me holy, righteous, and filled with the Spirit. I learned that I needed to repent when I messed up, to show up to every gathering, to read and pray every single day so that I could be close to God and all the things that I should stay away from. I burned Pokemon cards and wasn't allowed to listen to secular music. I went to conferences where all the teenagers went to the front to repent of the bad things they've done for the hundredth time and rededicate our lives to God and stay passionate for another month. We were told that God had a huge destiny for us to touch the nations. Every single one of us, we had the biggest calling and destiny in the world. Can we begin to see the picture? My dreams and attitudes were being shaped by religion. I was given a gospel that didn't have the power to sustain me. A system that created a warped image of who God is. A methodology to earn my place. To earn the high callings of God. And to earn his grace. They never said it out loud, but these attitudes of the heart were embedded in the things we were being taught. Now, I'm not talking bad about the church I grew up in. I'm actually very grateful. But at the same time, the um, just what they put in me was, was keeping, it wasn't, the fruit of my life was not stable and sustained as I grew up. So um, I was gifted with the musical abilities. Um, I was singing on TV when I was young, and and everybody would say, oh, you're going to do great things with music, and my family would tell me that I was going to be somebody great. My grandma said I was the next Anthony Berger. Does anyone know who that is? Gaithers? No. <laughs> Just silly stuff. Um, so I developed this dream that I like wanted to be a star, that I wanted to have fame and influence and be some Christian singer-songwriter, and I just want to say right now that I thank God that he saved me from that dream and that desire that was not his. That was not what he put in me. It was something my family put in me and that, you know, people would just say. Um, when I was 11 or 12, we had an upper room at our church, and I remember that was the first night that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I began to speak in other tongues. And, and I remember, like, the, the weeks following, every time we would get together, we would, uh, we would come, and I was so hungry for the presence of God. I would say, guys, do you just want to go upstairs and pray? Like, do you just want to go? And it was like that for a little while, and and of course that did not last, um, unfortunately. I became distracted by the cares that teenagers have: girls, friends, video games, school. Quickly, the kingdom of darkness jumped at their opportunity to corrupt me. I surrounded myself with friends that were bad because I was insecure. Left God's presence because I could never act good enough to stay there all the time anyway. By the time I was a freshman, my mom was pulling me out of public school because my friends and I were potheads and doing all the kind of stupid things that potheads do. When I was 15, my sister was a, a student at the Ramp School of Ministry. And um, my mom convinced me to go down there and visit her. And so I went. And that week... For a few days, I don't even remember how long I was there, changed my life. The first night there, I had had 
another encounter with God. And this one was unlike being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was unlike the one when I was five or six. I can look back on that event at the ramp and say that, that God branded my heart for a passion for his presence at that time. He took me to a place where I was just so stirred and so hungry. I left there a different person. I really did. Um, after coming home, I began coming to the secret place to seek God in prayer all the time. I would light candles and stay up late into the night seeking God, praying, reading my word, and encountering his love in a profound way. Quite honestly, I've never experienced anything quite like that since, since that time. All the while I was going on, there was a young godly girl at church that I had my eyes on. I remember sensing the Holy Spirit telling me so strongly to not pursue that relationship and focus on him. But to my great remorse, I did not listen. With that, I wanted to say that sometimes God distracts us with, not God, sometimes the devil distracts us with things that are good. He comes as an angel of light. And there's things that come into our life that seem like they're good ideas, that seem like they fit all the all the boxes, but they don't. And he was strong in telling me not to do that. The disobedience to the Holy Spirit in that one incident set off a chain reaction of disobedience that left me, a bit, um, excuse my language, a big pile of crap by the time I was 19 years old. I was alone and depressed, a disgrace in the town I grew up in. I lived for myself. I destroyed the lives of everyone around me. I was a manipulative liar. I was a drug user. My life was hanging on by a thread as I spent every dollar I had to feed a heroin addiction. It was in that moment that I truly had nothing left. I came to the end of myself and willingly went to a rehab facility called Team Challenge. Even after all the things I had done, knowing the truth, knowing his presence and his love, he was waiting for me with open arms to welcome me back into his family. And then I want to give a testimony. I, when I came to Teen Challenge, there's a, there's a process that you go through when you detox from, from opiates where the first three days are terrible um, and your body is just reacting to not having the drugs. And you, you have this immense anxiety that you can't sleep, you can't do anything. It is uh, like depression and anxiety that is crippling. And I went in the first night, they were having chapel, and all the guys came and prayed for me that night. And the anxiety was gone. I was healed from the anxiety immediately. And instead of going through three days of like a hellish anxiety, I went through those three days with no anxiety. I didn't feel like myself 100%, but I did not have the crippling anxiety. He allowed me to sleep, which is unusual. Usually you have weeks, sometimes months of not sleeping right. I was able to sleep. I was able to function. The next day, I, I they don't make you, but I went to go work with some of the guys. That's how healed I was. This began the undoing of my upbringing, the undoing of the religion that kept me bound to the law and the dreams that misguided my heart into pride. After graduating from the program in 2016, I was still a hot mess, but I was on my path to the unexpected plane of God. Through failures and difficulties, I slowly discovered what I was trying to do to get my life together was not working. In fact, it only made it more of a roller coaster. When I met Nicole, I was not in a place to be a husband. Soon after we met, I knew Holy Spirit was telling me to back away from it and be patient and do the things his way and his timing. 
Unfortunately, I didn't listen to his voice again and chose the distracted path, one that would detour me into more destruction and chaos. Only now it was going to affect Nicole and our son, Camden. In my heart, I had the desire to do the right thing, to be a good man, to correct my mistakes, to be who God wanted me to be. But I didn't have the power or the truth to live that out. If only I had known the spirit-filled life chapter of Romans 8, where Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The thing, you know, that's the, the do's and don't chapter. But then right afterwards, he said, who can set me free from this? It's life in the spirit. It's life in the spirit. After prematurely marrying Nicole, I had already began wrecking our life and drug her to Columbus to try to fulfill my God-given dream of being a famous singer-worship leader. I became the music director of a large church that I thought would be a stepping stone into something greater. The church had some good people, but honestly was pretty much dead and not headed in the right direction. It was a typical modern church. That situation ended up badly, leaving Nicole and I both hurting and in need of serious help. Our marriage was on the brink, mostly because of my choices. At this time, I had already known Mark Blake because I met him when I was in Team Challenge, but our relationship was peripheral at the time. His desire was to be a father to me, and I did need one. It took me a long time to accept and accept Mark's love for me, but it truly was something I needed and had to do. Um, there, There's two facets to what I'm, I'm trying to talk about, which is the dysfunction of my family and the religion. And Mark is the fulfillment of dysfunctional family. And he was the healing that I needed. He came into my life as a father. And he wasn't a pastor that, that came. It was, it was so much more relational than just another church relationship. And he came in and loved me and walked me through the hard times of my marriage and walked me through all of the tough stuff that we had to go through. And he fulfilled the role that a dad never did of just unconditional love. It was so foundational, so basic of just unconditional love. <clears throat> With him by my side, I began making better choices. Of course I had rough spots times. I was not doing my best, but overall I was headed in the right direction. I submitted to his covering and advice, and it worked. The next phase of my walk came once God had me rooted in a church under spiritual guidance and trying to be obedient to him. And um, I also wanted to mention how pivotal it is to not be a free floater apart from a body in the community because one thing that I was missing is a church that I was rooted in a spiritual father, spiritual guidance. I didn't have, I, I wanted to be free and I wanted to do things my way, but what I really needed was boundaries around healthy boundaries, healthy restrictions, and the right people in your life at the right time give that stability and order for God to be able to do something in you that otherwise you couldn't do. <clears throat> Up until now, my spiritual walk had been in the place of striving and effort, and that determined how close I was to God, how much I prayed, how much I read, what I did day to day to find my relationship. There was something else that I needed. I began listening to some men, some apostles, that began to lay a foundation with me. 
Now listen to Damon Thompson and Dan Muller, just a, a couple. They were preaching messages that were so different to anything I had heard before. After hearing what they had to say, my heart was cracked open to the reality that what I had known and was doing was religion and not freedom. Listening to them for a while established a new sense of walking with God that was by grace and faith, not on works. This was hard to establish and still sometimes becomes an idea in my head that I have to cast down. Um, but their mess, you know, growing up in like the Church of God, you, they don't say it, but you just, in your heart, you, you feel like if you mess up, you're suddenly not close to God anymore. Or you feel like you have to work to get something or work to receive something. And that defined my relationship. And that's why one of the reasons I could never be stable and focused along my journey is because when I messed up, when things weren't going the way I thought they were, I was far away. But that wasn't, the, that's not the truth. There were some significant moments in my walk at about that time of listening to them. And I, when I was at work, I'd be listening to their sermons and I would just have to stop and weep and cry and let the, the truth of God penetrate my heart and just really resonate. And um, one story in particular, I remember I was, I was grabbing a shower. I was by myself in this empty new build house and Damon was preaching a message about the, the callings of God being a husband and a father. And in that moment, it dawned on me that I wanted to be somebody great for God, but what he was calling me to was to be his son, a, a husband, and a father to my children. And there was, no, there was no call greater than that. There was absolutely nothing that I could do, no matter how famous, no matter how much influence, no matter what songs, no matter what church, no calling was going to be greater than loving my wife as Christ loved the church, which is hard, by the way, without God. <laughs> Uh, to, and loving my kids and, and giving them not an inheritance in, in money and in and well or whatever whatever the world thinks is, is good, but giving them a spiritual inheritance and a foundation, something that surpasses what this world gives. Um, at the end of last year, I was seeking God. I was really determined to let these truths you know, fulfill my walk and, and, and be the thing that, you know, it was a turning point. And God started putting fasting on my heart. And he not only put fasting on my heart for me, but at the same time, I didn't even know it yet, but Shane had already been fasting and, and doing all that with the youth. And um, at the beginning of the year, we fasted. The church did the corporate fast. And that was when, after my fast at the beginning of the year, the striving and the works to be a son ended and it was established and ever since then i have known without a shadow of a doubt that i can come boldly before the throne no matter what has happened no matter what i had done that day that doesn't mean that everything's permissible of course that just means that my access to god was not dependent on what i did he was there he was going to answer everything i asked when I say answer, I don't mean give me what I want. I mean have something to say, because he always has something to say. Um, so this year has been a year of rest, resting in the goodness of who he is, resting in those truths. 
And I put as surely as the sun does rise, his truth has guarded my heart and mind to keep in the shelter of his wings. This year is the year of spiritual inheritance for my family. When I thought my gift and road was in music, he turned it upside down and showed me that there was something greater I can do in his kingdom. And that's not using those talents, although that's a part of it. His real desire was for me to be a vessel for his glory, a yielded heart, a willingness to obey, a heart to believe for the impossible, to say things that are hard to say, to do things that are hard to do. At this time, my focus is on participating in what the Father is doing in the earth, in the church, in my family, and in my life. Pressing in was not just for January because we were fasting. It's for now. <clears throat> Those with spiritual ears to hear, hear this message. Please discern the times we are in. God is wanting to raise many of you up to, into new heights of faith and boldness. Will you answer that call? Have you struggled to be established? Is your walk with God a roller coaster? He is standing at the door of your heart knocking to come in and commune. He longs for you to answer this high calling, and this is it to be his son or daughter, to come into the secret place and allow him to mold your heart, to plant messages in your heart, to speak messages right from the throne of God. These are the things that will not come from a corporate gathering. He wants you above all else. His main priority is not giving you financial blessing or some other enjoyment of this world, although that might be part of it. It is wholeness on the inside. It's a freedom that Enoch experienced when he walked with God. By faith, he knew and walked with God and wasn't under a covenant. Now we have a covenant with better promises. How much more can we walk in the closeness and intimacy with the Father if we would just simply believe? So, now that I've read all that, Nicole and I are at a place where we're We're done with church as usual, okay? And I know a lot of you are in this same boat, but I'm just saying. We have experienced what it's like to be doing church on more than Sunday already, just like tonight. But we are pressing into even more than that. Not more busyness and ministry and events in the gatherings. No more faith. The Bible says that signs follow those who believe. Where are the signs? I'm done reasoning away. Why we don't see the things the Bible says we should see. That is nonsense and will not produce anything. The time for radical belief is right now. There's a window opening for people to enter into a life of faith like never before. As the world shakes around us and our foundations that have been built on ideas and systems of this world fall, only what's left will remain. I am ready to step out in faith to do the works of Jesus. The world is ripe with hurting and lost people. It's full of confused people right now. God has called us to be the light of the world and go shake things up. And I am answering the call. My family will answer the call. Will you answer that call today? I know it's been I know it's been long guys and I thank you for listening. And um we if anyone that has a relationship with God right now 
can sense that there's something in the atmosphere. There's something electric in the spiritual realm that even I growing up did not experience. And God is calling people out. He is trying to raise people up to answer higher callings, to be bold in this world, to have faith like we've never had faith before. It's hard to live in the United States and have faith because we're spoiled, rich people who don't need anything. But there might be a time coming where you do need it. And God is going to call people out and raise them up to be the light in the darkness. And as the world gets darker, His glory will be seen more and more. So the point of tonight is to not just share our stories of how we got here, but to encourage everyone to answer that call. He's calling each and every one of us to the high calling. And it's not in the things of this world. It's not in you know, in religious systems, and I'm not knocking church at all. I'm not, I love our church. Church is amazing. That's why we're there. But what I'm saying is, is that um, he's calling us higher. He's calling us higher to be sons and daughters, to be bold, to have faith. And that is our message. So, Tonight, afterwards, if we do anything else, you know, if, if, you, if you're saying tonight, hey, I, I've struggled in my relationship with God. I've had things that are hindering me, lies that I'm believing that are keeping me from, from being close. We, we'd love to pray with you. If you're saying the message is really touching my heart, this call to something higher, we're, we, want, we want to pray with you. Anybody who would like us to pray for you, we would love to pray for you. Um, and we just thank you guys so much for listening to us. And praise God, because he has been so good. And um, we would not be anything without him, really, truly. So, amen.